0: Well, good morning everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. I want to greet all our people watching on Zoom. And uh, I've been instructed to tell you that um, if you would like to see the slides, which I really would like you to um, see the slides if you can very clearly because uh, I think it, they really add to the message So. If you want to see uh, the slides quite prominent on your screen, you can go up to the right hand corner of your screen and hit speakers view or you can click on the uh, slide image itself and it it may get bigger. If you have any questions, of course Chris is in the background trying to help you. So good morning everyone. in 1970, there was a beautiful little song that came out. I think this will make Tom Buck smile. Uh, it was the song Express Yourself. Can you hear that in your mind, some of you? Uh, one of the lines was, whatever you do, do it good. And uh, this song was um, produced and, by Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. Whatever you do, do it good. It's a fun little song. Uh, You might want to, if you're not familiar with it, you might want to look it up. Um, Here's a guy expressing himself. Um, About six weeks ago, I would say, I was driving uh, south on Highway 75, and here was uh, a Bob McWilliams look-alike, in a baby blue Galaxy XL 500 convertible Ford. And the reason that's, did you have one of those, Dallas? Yeah, what, the reason that was fun for me and I sped up alongside him and took this picture is because um, when I was in junior high school, we had a baby blue Galaxy XL 500 convertible. And it gave me some serious street cred at school. Um, I would kind of wander into school and, and uh, take as nonchalant a pose as possible. And I'd say, yeah, uh, my dad has a Galaxy XL 500 Baby Blue convertible. Yeah. And uh, just rolled off my tongue. You know, it was just uh, really fun for me but um, the scriptures have a little different message than the song Express Yourself Uh, instead the scriptures as you know say examine yourselves the text this morning is 2nd Corinthians 13 5 test yourselves to see if you are in the faith examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. Interestingly, Socrates agreed with this practice of self-examination. You might remember that he famously said an unexamined life is not worth living. Well, recently I got to Uh, drive up to my dad's cabin, our family cabin, in northern Minnesota, and spend two weeks there by myself. And so I think it was four weeks ago today, Sunday morning, I was driving between Minneapolis and Duluth, and then going to head up from Duluth, up the north shore of Lake Superior, uh, to uh, Grand Marais, and on to the cabin and um, in those hours for whatever reason I began to examine myself spiritually and um, I had uh, five statements bubble up in my spirit and these statements were extremely fortifying to me, extremely galvanizing Uh, and so I'd like to share them with you this morning in the hopes that they will fortify you and fortify your spirit. So here they are, five clarifying, fortifying, galvanizing statements. They're simple and yet I think they're very profound. The first one is, I believe completely in Jesus Christ. Now we'll unpack that a little bit later. Second. I relate daily with Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm in a daily relationship with him. Third, I am under the authority of Jesus Christ. Fourth, I'm a trustee of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll explain that more as well. And then finally, I live to glorify Jesus Christ forever. So let's take a look at these statements in turn. Um, First of all, I believe completely in Jesus Christ. As I thought about this statement, certain verses came to my mind, and they were like thunderclaps, if you will, from heaven. The first one is from Peter, where he says, Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. And then this is the line especially. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What a great, powerful verse. Another one from Acts 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name Given under heaven, by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. And then John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me or through me. And then Philippians 3, 3, especially the tail end of that verse, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. For me, the progression of believing completely in Jesus Christ went like this. First of all, I was drawn to Christ by the testimony of friends and people I admired in my life who shared with me that that Jesus Christ was the center and everything in their lives. And then I started to read the Bible, and the power of the Word took hold of me. And then I surrendered to Christ and received Him as my Lord and Savior. And then I started to experience God for myself. I started to experience um, supernatural things, miracles, uh, little indications that He was with me and uh, that he was watching me, and that he loved me. I remember shortly after receiving Christ, being in a, uh, with a bunch of hippies in a town square in Alberta, Canada, and this I've told you this story before, but this elderly woman walked up and began sharing about the Lamb's Book of Life, and her story about needing to be sure that her name was written in the Book of Life, and after she was done, she just tapped me on the head three times and walked away. And I knew that God was in my life and watching me and uh, maybe tapping me on the head through her. Next, and then as finally, there was an absolute, an absolute certainty came to me that, uh, that God was real and in my life and moving powerfully. I I just had this depth of certainty without any doubt. And it's these last two features, the miraculous and the uh, certainty of faith, that I want to talk about or linger on a moment. Oral Roberts was fond of several powerful statements that he would make. But one of them that I want to highlight this morning is he would say, I know that I know that I know that I know. How many of you remember hearing him say that? And I hope it made a big impact on you. I know it did on me. I know that I know that I know that I know. He said, deep down in each one of us, we have a knower. And uh, that that knower can know things that are not brought to us uh, naturally. My knower knows that God's Word is completely true and reliable and stands forever. My knower knows that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My knower knows that the beauty and complexity and diversity and even the fierceness of nature is a testimony and meant to point us to the glory of God. And I know that there's an unseen world around us all the time. A world of angels and demons, but it's all under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the Lordship of Christ. Albert Einstein, we know as the great German physicist, the Nobel Prize winner who developed the theory of relativity. He had an IQ of 160 and great hair. Now, I was thinking about the IQ of 160 and I was thinking, I wonder if any of us at TCF have an IQ that high. I thought of Dorothea Brachda perhaps, maybe Chuck, maybe one or two more. But I think if you asked any of us uh, in that category you would know that the air is very rarefied up there. That's supposed to be a joke, you guys, that (laughs) I'm including myself in that bunch. Albert Einstein was a theologian as well, I think, because he said this, there are only two ways to live your life. Again, this is one of the most brilliant men ever in history. One is, is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. I think the fact that he worded it that way, he's indicating that he himself is approaching life in that second category. And I definitely am in that second category as well. Every as I look around our world, um, I'm not speaking of the unrest and the pandemic, um, but I'm just speaking of God's creation and and each other and love and life and uh, trees and hills and birds and hawks and just uh, I'm just filled with the sense that everything is a miracle. Um, I am definitely in the second camp. Now in the Old West, preachers were sometimes called sky pilots. And I love that term because to me it means that preachers were relied upon to navigate and understand the things going on in the unseen world. But you know, every true believer can navigate the unseen world. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Of Christ. I believe completely in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. What a galvanizing statement. Can you say that with me? That you believe completely in Jesus Christ and you put no confidence in anything else. Statement number two is I relate daily with Jesus Christ, meaning. I'm in a daily relationship with him and communion with him. I was recently reading some writings by Dr. David Armantrout. He's a psychologist here in town. Uh, He's retiring now or retired, but just a wonderful man of God. Long history of helping people here in Tulsa. And uh, one sentence that he wrote leapt off the page for me in a very convicting way. And uh, this was the statement. He said, it's one thing to believe in Jesus Christ. It's another to relate to him. That's a pretty simple statement. You know, I've known the Lord for over four decades. That shouldn't shouldn't hit me that way. But you know why it did? Was because I think in that week or two there that I read it, um, I was kind of uh, not seeking the Lord. I was kind of in a lazy place spiritually. I was kind of just sitting and, and saying within my mind, you know, believing is enough. I don't, I don't really want to do the work of seeking God uh, and relating to him. I just want to rest in in believing in him and... And trust that that's enough. So I realized under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I was in a season of laziness. Again, saying, I believe in him, that's good enough for now. I don't need to seek him aggressively each, each day, it's too much work. Well, you know, the prophet Zephaniah um, issued a strong rebuke to the nation of Judah about this exact mindset in his day. He used the metaphor of the dregs of sediment or lees, he called it, found in the bottom of an old container of spoiled wine. This is what he said, quote, and it will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are resting on their lees. Resting on their sediment. The New American Standard Bible says stagnant in spirit. These are those who say in their hearts the Lord will do nothing to us neither good nor bad. Um, I was talking to a mature Christian friend and somewhat embarrassingly uh, confessing this, that this little statement had rocked my world Um, and but he spoke up right away and he said oh Jim he said no don't don't think you're alone Uh, this really smites me as well and so I just have to trust that some here might feel the same way that you've been just kind of resting on your lees uh, resting on your, your past faith rather than aggressively pursuing the Lord each day. But I want you to remember that wise men still seek him, and that even the demons believe and shudder. I think we need to uh, embrace again Luke nine twenty three. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself or his own will and take up his cross daily and follow me. I relate daily to Jesus Christ. The third uh, galvanizing sentence is this. I am under the authority of Jesus Christ. Continuing on in this thought progression that I was having in the truck, I realized that believing completely in Jesus And uh, seeking him daily in relationship is still not enough. To be a true and faithful disciple of Christ, I also have to uh, surrender constantly to his authority in my life. I have to be obedient. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but a trustworthy man, who can find? Some of you might remember me preaching sometime back about the findings of the largest study on religion in America, done by Baylor University in 2010. It resulted in a book called America's Four Gods. Um, I want you to remember some of the findings here, and then I'll build to a point. First of all, nearly 95% of Americans say they believe in God, and the writers uh, early on in the book say the fact that nearly 95% of Americans say they believe in God undermines any notion that we are in a debate about the existence of God. We are, however, in a debate about who God is. And uh, then they went on to uh, this, some other findings. 81% say that God performs miracles. 85% feel that the term loving describes God well. These are encouraging statistics, aren't they? And only 5% are true atheists. Um, But as they collected their data, thousands of surveys, thousands of interviews, um, they realized that the different views of God that Americans have can be boiled down to four different uh, views, largely based on two key questions. And you see the key questions up there. To what extent does God interact with the world? And to what extent does God judge the world? Um, here are the four views that came out of their research. On the upper left, you have the benevolent God. 24% of Americans believe in the benevolent God. Well, what is that, how is that defined? Well, it means that God is totally for you and he won't judge you ever, in this life or the next. He just flat loves you, and he's kind of like that indulgent, uh, kindly old grandfather that just wants you to be happy, and uh, love him, and love the world, and love your life, and so on. On the upper right is the authoritative God. That's where I would place us. That's the position where God is both loving, he is loving and benevolent, but he also has demands. He also has criteria to meet. He's the authorita- he also has authority, and there will be judgment. Lower left is the uh, distant God. This would be the deist position. That's the idea that God wound up the universe and then backed off. Uh, He's the clock, like a giant clockmaker, but he's really not involved in the runnings of the clock. And then on the lower right, the critical God. This is the God who wants to hit you with a hammer as soon as he can, but because he cares about you, he's going to wait till the afterlife. Uh, He's not going to do it now. Well, we know from the scriptures that God is a God of both love and authority. Amen? And while he loves every person unconditionally as his creation, his creature, um, to really know him and abide in him and have intimacy with him, we, we have to be obedient to his demands. That part is conditional. And uh, one verse that we've looked at a lot together, but let's look at it one more time, is John 14:21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Do you see the conditionality there? And uh, how obedience and righteousness... Um, determine the level of intimacy that we have with the Lord. We know that sin separates us from God and so to the degree that we sin, we sacrifice that intimacy, that closeness um, with the Lord that otherwise we are seeking. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I not only believe completely in Jesus Christ and relate to him on a daily basis, but I must also continually place myself under the authority of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Here's the fourth galvanizing statement, and that is, I am a trustee of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or I am a trustee of... Appointed by Christ, or I am a trustee of the gospel. Some weeks back, Gordon sent an email to the elders quoting A.B. Simpson. A.B. Simpson founded the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance. And this is a, a three screen quote, but I think it's so valuable. See how it strikes you. He wrote God has given us a great trust. For the world. This gospel is not our own, but given us for dying men. We dare not use it for ourselves without peril. Suppose some wealthy man were to bequeath, and I'll I'll insert you here, or us, a great estate to minister to the suffering poor of New York City, and left us trustees of that fund, and we, instead of using it, as he had wished, were to sit down and enjoy it ourselves and squander it upon our families and our pleasures. Would we not be regarded as false to our trust and deemed cruel, selfish, unjust, and criminal? Christ has left us the purchase of his blood, not for enjoyment merely, but for the world's salvation." Terrible indeed will be the account which they shall have to render who have used this trust for their own enjoyment and salvation and left the world for whom it was intended to perish in ignorance and sin. We are trustees of the gospel. Let us never forget this. Does that hit any of you pretty, pretty profoundly? Dallas, anybody else? Yeah, it, it goes along with Don's exhortation earlier in the service. And it's, it's frightening to me when I think about, do I share the Lord enough? And how can I share the Lord more? And feelings of inadequacy about sharing the Lord. Um, nevertheless, we are trustees of this great gospel that he's given us. Um, I like that language because I've been a trustee uh, before. You know, the the scriptures talk about we're ambassadors for Christ. We're adequate ministers of a new covenant. Um, We're God's special possession to declare his excellencies. In Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses. So we have these terms that are meant to describe us and to shape our... Our minds about what we're to be doing in this world uh, under Christ, but I like this term trustee because I've been a trustee. Um, when I was newly married, my grandfather, my mother's father, uh, gave us a significant amount of money to uh, that had, that was being passed down through the generations to pay for our education uh... his his uh... stocks had paid for my education and now i was holding these monies in the form of stock to pay for my children's uh... education well when we moved to the house that we're living in now i I lived in mortal terror of Spending that money selfishly, uh, I you know it was for the kids' education, for medical needs that we couldn't cover. That was kind of my sense about it. Um, but we uh, we added on to our house. Uh, this was in the mid 90s, and uh, before we could carpet the kids' bedrooms upstairs, we ran out of money. And so you know what I thought? Oh that trust money, I wonder if carpet in their bedrooms qualifies as a legitimate uh, use of that money. Um, And so I called my brother, Steve, who also had this same, he was in trust, you know, similarly with his kids. And um, I said, Steve, you know, he's an attorney. I said, Steve, would you read the legal language of the trust and tell me, if you think um, it's a legitimate use of money to carpet the kids' bedrooms. And so he called back a little later and he said, Jim, you can drive a truck through that language. Well, what did he mean by that? He meant, go ahead. Uh, Nobody's going to stop you. And uh, I still don't think it was quite right, uh, but I did it. When someone is yeah <laughs> uh, when someone is not faithful to execute a trust, it's called um, a breach of fiduciary responsibility. fiduciary responsibility. It's a, considered an abuse of power, and the trustee is guilty of committing fraud. Um, claiming to be and do one thing when, in fact, he is doing another for selfish reasons. Well, A.B. Simpson says, we are trustees of the gospel, we hold it in trust for the Lord, and we must be found faithful to execute his directives to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We must do the work, and as my dear friend Bill says, not be a slacker. Let's be looking for more and more ways to share the gospel. Amen? Let's not fall back in inadequacy or intimidation, but look for more and more ways to share the gospel. We are trustees of Jesus Christ. Let's be found faithful to the end. The, the last statement is, I live to glorify Jesus Christ forever. What? Huh? Did I go back? Sorry had the thing upside down. You know, whether laughing or eating or talking or working, even sleeping, I want to live to glorify the Lord. All creation certainly brings Him glory. Here are some slides and scriptures that are hopefully inspirational to you. To see the witness of creation that points to the glory of the Lord. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. How long has it been since you've been out on a dock in a lake or out in a boat or up, way up north in Canada and seeing the northern lights or um, seeing the stars just fill the sky. Um, Laura and I are watching a, a show series called Alone where they drop people off in wilderness environments and sometimes the camera shows the night sky and it's just breathtaking, uh, the photography of the night sky. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Don't you want to be on that lake? Wow. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. There's something so beautiful about a stand of birch or a stand of aspen. Um, Something so beautiful about that. It brings glory to God. Ask the animals, Job says, and they will teach you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Beautiful. So God created the great sea creatures with which the waters swarm. And not just creation, but we too must glorify Him. Here's a street preacher let us preach the gospel in season and out of season. You guys remember that back in March, uh, my mom passed away. And uh, my brother and my sister and my dad, we were all there. And I had dreaded, dreaded this because, um, because I wasn't sure, in fact, I'm quite sure my mom was not surrendered to Christ, uh, not trusting in him for anything in the afterlife, and, um, and yet she had also confessed to be a Christian at some points in her life, and then at other times she would not, or she, maybe the last real conversation I had with her, she said, she just kind of nodded to my dad and said, I'm going to go with him, meaning I don't, you know, whatever he thinks, and I don't really want to think about it so I was dreading uh, wanting to pray and lead mom to the Lord attempt to one last time I wasn't dreading that part but I was dreading the awkwardness and the resentment that I possibly would receive from the rest of my family but I did have an opportunity to be with her alone for a time and so I said mom at this point, she was unresponsive, uh, pretty much unresponsive. She couldn't talk, but I assumed she could hear. Um, and so I said, Mom, I, I don't know if you have a need for this, but I have a need to tell you one more time that I want you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and um, you know he loves you He died for you and so on and then I began to pray and lead her in a kind of a typical sinner's prayer and she started to fidget she started to get agitated and I didn't know if she was angry and felt preyed upon by me or if she was saying, oh yes, yes, please pray for me and I I wanna receive Christ and I don't know to this day. Um, But I'm glad that I did it. And uh, about a week ago I had a dream that I was taking mom and dad at their current ages, in their 90s, to an outdoor concert somewhere and to get us, we came, we got there late, I think, and, and to get seats, we had to cross kind of a field of boulders, and I was trying to stick with mom, and, and trying to, re- I was reaching for her hand so she wouldn't fall, because I knew if she fell, my brother would kill me. Uh, my brother's great, he watches over them like a hawk. Um, and uh, just had that sense, Steve's going to kill me if if mom falls. And so I had all this anxiety in the dream, but then I saw that mom didn't need help at all. She was kind of leaping from rock to rock and kind of had this tremendous agility, and she didn't need me at all. And then I woke up. And so I I honestly don't know if that was from the Lord or the creation of my own mind, but I hope that it's a little indicator that she uh, is with the Lord. In any case, I pray for mercy for her. Here are some other ways we can glorify the Lord besides preaching. Let us fix our hope. Completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a picture from the mission, the movie The Mission, where this man is just shattered by the grace of God uh, after a long period of atonement that he went through. He's embraced and prayed for and loved by native peoples whom he had previously. Uh, slaughtered. Let us praise him in the great assembly. Let us praise him in a mighty throng. What a great picture there. Amen? Let us bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I also thought of the verse that, uh, in this picture about if you give even a glass of water to one of these little ones in my name, you've done it unto me. That glorifies the Lord. This is a little Pakistani girl uh, after a, uh, an earthquake or a war or something. That's Wesley, right? Out of the mouth of Babe shall come forth. Praise to God. What a goober. You just know that Puts a smile on God's face, that face right there. And then finally, go therefore baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So let's just review the five galvanizing or clarifying statements. See if you can make these yourself as we say them, I believe, completely in Jesus Christ. Second, I relate daily with my master. Third, I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. Fourth, I'm a trustee of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And five, I live to glorify Christ forever. Would you stand with me and let's just have a, a prayer. I hope this has blessed you. Uh, I hope something has caught your attention that, and something will stick in your memory because the Holy Spirit is talking to you about it. Father, we thank you so much that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us, you've forgiven us, and you've made us your children, you've filled us with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for that sense within that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. God loves us. He's with us. We're abiding in Him. He's abiding in us. Thank you, Father, that everything is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. Thank you, Father, that we sense the supernatural world around us. Thank you that you are Lord over it all. We ask, Father, that our lives would just be so God-infused that we would be aware of your presence all the time. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray we would go beyond believing that we wouldn't grow lazy, that we would relate to you every day kind of in a formal way, Not just praying as we go, but sitting down and being still before you and waiting upon you and communing with you, just hanging out with you. Give us that discipline, Lord, those of us who struggle with slowing down to do that. Help us to hear your voice, both uh, communicated to our hearts through your Holy Spirit and also through your word. And... uh, Father, we ask for help to surrender every part of our lives to you, to throw off that sin which so easily entangles us. We don't want to sacrifice intimacy with you, Lord. Uh, We don't want to be separated from you. And then, Father, we pray that we would be faithful trustees of the gospel and growing in faithfulness. Give us courage instead of fear. Give us um, just supernatural conversations, Lord, with people, divine appointments. Help our hearts to make that decision to determine to do the work of evangelists, even if we're terrible at it. So help us, Lord. Help us to open our mouths, to serve with our hands, and to be faithful trustees of the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then, Father, we pray that our lives would bring you glory forever. We pray, Father, that you would be pleased with our lives. And uh, when we see you and we're scared, perhaps, you would lift us up and you would say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have pleased me. We pray that that is true already and will be true on that day. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters, both the ones in this room, the ones on Zoom, the ones who will perhaps watch this sermon later. I ask your richest blessing. I ask for a can-do spirit, a Christus Victor mentality. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.